This Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase a Tiguan and you can get up to $2,500 cash purchase bonus and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com. Well, you don't know what to think. There's a, a ton of emotions um, going through, a ton of different thoughts going through your mind. You don't really know what's going on, so it was emotional for us. I'm sure Broads was really... Uh, it was really emotional and scary for him, obviously, but uh, it was really reassuring to go to the hospital and see him back and, and acting normal and joking around and uh, just just being the same old broads. Well, much more positive day around the Scotiabank Saddledome today. I think that's probably a fair assessment of it compared to yesterday when it was one of the most sobering days people can remember around these parts. I talked to a, a number of people who were here and, and who you know, witnessed what went down and, and the aftermath after TJ Brody collapsed during practice uh, just over 24 hours ago. And, you know, most people around the Flames, they, they've never seen anything like that before. And, and just kind of talking to people and saying, hey, what was your reaction? What did you see? And, yeah, it was, it was a tough day yesterday. But you just heard Captain Mark Giordano. Um, I think there was a big sigh of relief breathed last night um, and I think that that sigh of relief got even larger today uh, about 9.45 a.m. general manager Brad Treliving uh, and Dr. Ian Ald, Flames team doctor updated the media and uh, from what you hear from GM Treliving, yeah, I think that things are feeling a whole lot better around these parts. I spoke with TJ, I know Ian has spoken with TJ this morning he's feeling, he's feeling good, he's sore <laughs> um, and like I said, I'll let Ian kind of go into any more detail, but the all of the tests that have been done to date have come back negative. Um, you know, he's 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 doing well. So I try not to take hockey seriously most of the time. Let's be honest; it's a sport. It's here for your entertainment. It's it's really in the end not serious when it's all said and done. Wins, losses points all these things this is still entertainment this is still here to pass the time distract you from your everyday life uh give you something to buy into like that's what sports is and 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 so i actively try as much as i can not to take it too seriously because i I do think sometimes it can be taken a little too serious i think we we talk about it like it's it's real life a little bit more than we have to yes i mean we 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 talk about it it's my job and and it's it's obviously good when teams win and you like to see the team that you cover win but you know when it when it comes down to it what we're here for what we do what they do on the ice all of it is is all a distraction it's all a um it's all an opportunity to get away from life and escape and 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 it's entertainment for you and i think that that was really driven home yesterday i think that there was a big perspective moment for a lot of people yesterday and mr klein i would suggest that the uh the news today was pretty darn positive um basically to paraphrase what you heard we uh, carried it live for you right here on sportsnet 960 the fan but uh any type of serious condition was ruled out uh, nothing happened you know catastrophic in the brain or anything like that basically he fainted uh not to say that's not significant but it's a whole lot less serious than and, uh, some other things that could have led to what we saw yesterday. So I would suggest the news today pretty positive around T.J. Brody and the Flames. 
Yeah, as far as different ways that this could have gone, this is trending into best-case scenario territory as far as it sounds like anything serious is being ruled out. Uh, so that is just the best news that you could find for, for TJ Brody. We'll get back into the, the hockey stuff and what that means days, weeks, months down the road. But right now, you're just happy that TJ Brody, the, the person, the, the father, uh, is doing great. Sounds like when the team went to meet him the other day or yesterday that he was in good spirits. There was laughing. There was joking. Those are all very positive signs at the, the end of what was undoubtedly a scary situation for everyone around. But I can't imagine what it was like for TJ Brody in those moments as well. Well, and, and it, you know, Brad talked about it in the news conference. Dr. Ald talked about it in the news conference, how quick the medical response was. And I talked mm -hmm. a little bit about that yesterday, just what I witnessed. I mean, there were training that the training staff was out there immediately. And again, these guys do these guys go to conferences. I've, I've talked to a number of, of athletic trainers and who are part of the the training athletic therapy staff on on professional organizations or in professional organizations. And while they're not, you know, they're not medical doctors they're not trained in that they're still extremely well versed in the human body and extremely well versed in first response because when you're playing football when you're playing hockey when you're playing high level sports with contact involved you can sometimes run into situations where you need that you know whether it was um you know Richard Zednick and and uh, a skate cutting him, or you know what we saw with um, you know all the different times we like Rich Peverly and how scary that was, and and Yuri Fisher or Chris Pronger or all these different things that have happened, and and sometimes it is related to what's going on the ice, and sometimes it's completely unrelated. But because you're working with these these people that are putting themselves in danger, these guys are trained as as first responders, and to and and to be able to get them there, know exactly what to do, not panic, and be able to allow the medical personnel who's following and, and who's on their way to get there and, and to be in the right spot to take over from there. And they, they did an incredible job. They really did. Uh, so led, led by Kent Kabelka and, and the Flames training staff, uh, that was the, the biggest takeaway, how quickly they were out there and how quickly they had control of the situation. Um, and an ambulance was called uh, within 45 seconds is what the wow. doctor uh, said. Like, that's pretty that's pretty snap. Um, yeah. I've called I've called an ambulance twice in my life. Uh, one time it was I was about 13 years old, and uh, uh, a buddy of mine was trying to spy on somebody. Uh, the, <laughs> what? <laughs> he was trying to spy on on somebody and nailed his head on a deck and was bleeding profusely. <laughs> and I called uh, called the ambulance. Um, and then uh, another time I was watching, I watched somebody get punched out from my deck uh, and he was laying there motionless in a parking lot uh, from about 20 feet up, uh, 20 floors up. I saw that and I called an ambulance uh, and on both stretches, it took me a little bit of time for me to be like, OK, maybe I should call an ambulance. Yeah, probably more than 45 seconds. Eh? Yeah. For some, <laughs> I was like, oh, my goodness. It's like it, it takes a little while for the shock to wear off. So for an ambulance to be called in 45 seconds is, is pretty impressive stuff as well. So uh, tip of the hat to everyone mm -hmm. around. And uh, the best news is that uh, TJ Brody is going to make full recovery. He's fine now. He's not going to travel on this trip. Uh, he's not going to play these next two games. And that's kind of the, the furthest thing from anybody in the Flames' mind. But uh, the the good the news was good on the TJ Brody front today. Okay, uh, let's we we heard we heard Mark Giordano coming in his thoughts. You you heard Brad Tu living in that news conference uh, at nine forty five this morning. 
number of players reacted to it today, gave their thoughts, and uh, Travis Hamanick was uh, was pretty poignant when he talked about it today. Here's Travis Hamanick from this morning, Flames defenseman who was right by Brody's side during a lot of this. Uh, he talked this morning with the media. It was a tough day for all of us. Um, he, you're not expecting anything like that to happen. Um, it's not easy to see. I think uh, obviously a really close friend and, and teammate and and. Uh, to see that happen, I think you immediately kind of start panicking. Um, obviously for TJ and and just for, as yourself, you're just you're panicking. You don't know what to do. You want to help as fast as you can, but um, it's hard. It's uh, one of those things I've never seen in my career. Um, it's a really scary real life moment. I think that's one of those things that snaps you back in reality, and you forget hockey and everything else that's around it at that point. How good was it for you guys to go up and see TJ and just kind of, you know, understand that things were going in the right direction kind of thing? Yeah, I th- yeah, I think that was important, um, you know, for us. Um, he's he's one of the most liked teammates in our room. Um, he's obviously a really close friend um, with me personally and with a lot of the guys. So um, it was good to, to be able to see him, I think, in the hospital in good spirits. And uh, Amber was there and, and uh, to be able to see her and, and just try and support him and his family as best as you can. Um, it's a really hard time for, for a lot of people, and I think everyone's emotions are, are running pretty high after an event like that. Um, I think you're just kind of grateful that, uh, you know, I believe his guardian angel was there with him, um, helping him. Uh, grateful uh, uh, to God that he's okay, and, and I think especially to our medical staff. Uh, you know, they're out there and within two seconds they were on the ice already there with them so um, it's pretty amazing uh, how, how fast they were able to react how professional our medical guys were in, in, in certainly a really high stress situation um, the work that they were able to do that quickly um, in that cool calm and collected was, was certainly impressive. Was that good for you guys too because they were so calm to kind of because like you said there's panic it's, it's like. Yeah I, I mean I I'm not in their shoes but you know we're, we're a family in our room. Um, you know, the players and trainers, we, we all have such an amazing relationship, and we're all friends at the end of the day as well. Um, so I couldn't imagine what it was like for our trainers in particular to, to be going out there and having to, to, to work on a friend. Um, and to be able to stay calm in that situation, uh, it, was, it, was, it was pretty amazing to see, I think. Um, as a group, everyone trying to support Tej as best as we could. Um, in any fashion, in any any aspect that we could, but uh, it was it was a really scary moment. I think it puts a lot of things in perspective, and, and you you immediately feel for obviously his wife and daughter and his family that are home, not really knowing that is even happening. Um, that's scary. Can you get the thought after you practice was postponed, you go back in the locker room, what kind of mood was like and the feel was like inside the room before you knew what was going on? Oh, uh, I think everyone was scared. Um, you know, you could you could tell the panic immediately that all the guys had on the ice. Um, you could tell the panic that everyone had in the room. No one really knew at that moment what was going on. Um, and and Mike came in and, and said that he was in the in the ambulance going to the hospital and, and he was alert and and, and aware. And and uh, I think as a player, that's your immediate reaction. Is you want to know he's okay. We don't really know what's happening. And. Uh, um, like I said, I think for a lot of us that went to see him in the hospital, it was, it was good to see him in good spirits and, and see that he's okay and doing better. And, and uh, like I said, the game of hockey is in a distant, distant, distant rearview mirror when something like that is happening. Yeah. 
There you go, Travis Hamannick from earlier today as uh, the team gets some good news on the T.J. Brody front. A scary day yesterday, a much more positive day today. Brody not on the flight to Arizona, which is most likely wheels up right now. Uh, Flames and Coyotes tomorrow afternoon, 2 p.m. right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome to the Steinberg Show. Happy Friday alongside the one and only Peter Klein. My name is Pat Steinberg. Uh, here's what we know from a Flames standpoint. Uh, Oliver Schilling has been recalled, which uh, is it's an interesting uh, an interesting decision the Flames have made. Uh, they had Brandon Davidson up, but uh, have recalled Shillington. Looks like Shillington is going to play tomorrow on a pairing with Michael Stone against the Coyotes. Um, but because the TJ Brody situation is pretty fluid right now, they don't know exactly what's happening. He has not been placed on injured reserve uh, or long-term injury reserve, so he's still on the roster right now. So from a cap standpoint, uh, if they wanted to have a seventh active defenseman and a, uh, uh, an extra option to use on this road trip with a back-to-back, uh, that's why they've kept Davidson up and also why they've recalled Shillington. Now, they didn't have enough room to bring Shillington in uh, flush, so they've put, for the first time, Yusuf Valamaki on LTIR, which means his 900000 or almost $900,000 cap hit uh, now counts as credit on top of the upper limit of the salary cap. They already had Austin Zarnick on LTIR, so they already had some credit, but not enough to be able to recall Shillington. So to do that, they've put Valamaki on LTIR, and uh, right now they've got about $700,000 of cap space, if you will. It's not technically cap space, but it is cap space. Um, basically, they've got $700,000 of wiggle room right now with Valamaki on LTIR and with Shillington up. And makes sense. Uh, you're going on a back-to-back climb. Uh, Davidson hasn't played in the NHL in quite some time. Um, I do know that they want to get him in, and there's a thought that they, they would like to see him play in the NHL, but you're on a second, on, on a you know back-to-back, two tough teams, Arizona and Vegas, to bring Bring Shillington in to play at least one of those games makes a lot of sense. He's played three games in Stockton, three points in three games. Uh, so if he plays one or both of the games on this trip, not going to surprise me at all. No, and uh, it, it is weird to talk about the hockey aspect of this after everything that's happened over the last, uh, I guess now, 25 hours or so. But Brody was playing around 20 minutes a night. The, those minutes have to go somewhere. It, I... I think Shillington's going to get a lot of that. I'm interested to see how they divvy all of that up. You don't want to just, well, let's see what we have in this kid when you're trying well, to get think, things back on track. But I think I'm, the, the big guy that's going to take a lot of that is Anderson because Anderson okay. moves up to, to play with with Giordano. So they've got Giordano, Anderson, Hannafin, Hamannick, Brody, uh, sorry, uh, Shillington Stone mm-hmm. as the pairing. So, you know, you're probably talking about Shillington playing, you know, you can play him 12 to 14, somewhere in that range. And I, I think Anderson probably moves into the 20 plus range when it comes to his ice time. Yeah. And I, I think this is again, a, a great opportunity. He gets sent down to try to work on a couple different things. Obviously, Something clicked as he got a hat trick and five points in his first game down there. So this is another chance for him to show that he belongs at the NHL level and he can be a regular in the top six for the Calgary Flames. Uh, I'm not sure Davidson was thrilled to see him get the call up because that uh, I think before he was thinking he might get a couple cracks on this this quick road trip. Now, I would guess you see him in only for one of the games, but you do need a little bit of insurance based on it's a back to back. It's a contact sport. Things can happen. Having a little bit of extra depth and 
well, it's a, a difficult situation to try to describe. Cap-wise, you do have a little bit of flexibility with this team now. I mean, it, flexibility in the term of one league minimum contract, but still, that's more than the 19000 they had to play around with the other right. day. Well, and, and look, I mean, they want Shillington playing, so I don't think they'd be recalling him if they didn't plan on playing him. I don't know if Davidson gets into a game this weekend. I don't. Uh, but if you're the Flames... You're fighting for points. You're, these games are important. You've got two divisional games back-to-back. No knock on Davidson, who has been very impressive in Stockton, but who are you going to be more comfortable with? The guy who's played most of the season in the NHL and has been pretty good for you, um, all things considered, or, or the guy that hasn't played in the NHL in quite some time? And that's that's not being disrespectful to Davidson at all. It's just that's the situation. And I think mm-hmm. that from a, a straight-up winning standpoint, Shillington gives you probably the better chance and certainly uh, would make the coaching staff, I would believe, more comfortable in that regard. And, and as I said before, the Flames aren't really in a, oh, let's see what we have spot right now. They are trying to figure their exactly. own game out and trying to get this thing on track. You're not just, well, let's just give this guy a chance and just see if it clicks. You're trying to win hockey games right now. So you, you need the guys who you're feeling most comfortable with going forward. I would imagine we, we see Davidson. You're closer to it than I am. I hope that he gets at least one shot to play this weekend. Um, just, again, just to kind of see what it looks like. But from a Flames perspective, I would completely understand why they wouldn't necessarily agree with me on that. Um, okay, so Flames and Coyotes tomorrow, 2 o'clock face-off. We've got it for you right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Here is your projected lineup for that game. Um, the projected lineup would have Monaghan between Gaudreau and Lindholm, Backlund with Kachuk and Frolik, Ryan between Manjapani and Bennett, Jankowski with Lucic and Reeder. Looks like Quine would be the odd man out on the back end. Jordano Anderson, Hannafin Hamannick, Shillington Stone, uh, Davidson looks like the odd man out. No word on your goaltenders for this weekend uh, if and how they're going to split or partition Talbot and Riddick. Uh, but we do know it's a 2 o'clock face-off tomorrow between the Flames and the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, and just before we hit the break, um, you might as well roll the audio, Kleiner. What is in the world was this last night in Cleveland? And there's a brawl going oh, yeah. down inside the 10-yard line. Mason Rudolph and Larry Ogunjobi are going down, and the Steelers oh. are kicking oh, Ogunjobi man. in the head, and the benchers are coming off the field. Both sides are coming off the field. I, I know the answer, so I won't ask it. I was just about to ask you, have you ever seen anything like that? I know the answer is no. Um, unless you had a very different upbringing than I thought. Maybe uh, you <laughs> went to helmet swinging parties. I'm not sure. Uh, but, like, have you been able to wrap your head around what on earth Miles Garrett was thinking? Like, how does a human being snap to that extent in a football game? No. I, I've, I've never seen anything like it before, and I still don't I, – I, I have no clue trying to do my – Best devil's advocate. I have no clue what on earth he was thinking or what on earth motivated him to go into complete bonkers land. Yeah, I I have no idea. I can't imagine what was said, if anything was said. Uh, I don't think... I I, I can't... I I mean, I can't think like that. I've never taken another human being's helmet off and then swung it at him. So I... I, (laughs) No? No, not really, as as far as I can remember anyway. Um, But no, it's an unbelievable situation. And then you see the reactions after Rudolph gets run over and just an an absolutely crazy scene. Miles Garrett very deservedly suspended indefinitely. I would imagine uh, done for the season for sure. But just a a crazy scene that it's, it's almost... 
I, I don't know if I'm justifying it a little bit more or what, but normally when you see a player get that frustrated, they're the one that's on the losing end of things. Like that, that they were about to cruise to a win. Like I, I don't, I yeah, don't that's understand. The crazy part. I don't. Well, I mean, there's a lot of the parts that are crazy parts, but I, no, I don't. That's the only crazy part. Was <laughs> yeah, that they were that's the only crazy thing about this. But like, you're up by 14. There's a, a couple minutes left. Like, I, I just, I don't understand what drives a person to to do that. And now, apparently, uh, Cleveland police were there last night. I wonder if there are going to be legal ramifications because the law tends to frown upon helmet swinging. So it, it's it's a weird, messed well, up mean, situation if, around just the. Uh, absolute cherry on top for what's been a weird season with the Cleveland Browns. If if I were on the street and you called me a poo-poo head uh, and I picked up a giant rock and hit you in the head with it, I think the police would get involved. <laughs> and I feel like there's not all that many there's not all that many differences in this situation. I don't know if there was any poo-poo head calling, um, but I don't know if swinging a helmet with you know, a good handle. Like, a helmet's got a handle. It's got those those bars. It's a nice, good grip that you can get. Mm-hmm. If I were to take a nice rock on the street and smash you in the head with it, and, and you were to call the police, I feel like after cooler heads would prevail, I'd be like, yeah, you know what? He's probably, probably within his rights. These charges that are being pressed and these handcuffs that I'm being put in yeah. are, are, probably, uh, are probably valid after the decision that I made. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was something else. I've never seen anything like that. Um, and and so, by the way, if you're not familiar with uh, the fallout, Miles Garrett of the Cleveland Browns suspended indefinitely, for sure done for the season, but uh, suspended indefinitely. Uh, I feel I kind of feel bad for Marquise Pouncey of the Steelers. Like, what are you supposed to do? There is a human being swinging his helmet at your quarterback. Like, I don't. I, I get it, Pouncey threw some punches and all that, but like he's trying to break it up and protect his quarterback. I, I'm I, if if I'm Mason Rudolph, I'm like, you know what? I'll uh, I'll pay your salary for the three games that you're missing. Right. Um. And, like, what's he uh, supposed to do in that spot? I don't guy, know. Guy swings a helmet, connects pretty solidly with uh, a guy's brain. And like he's oh yeah chill homie like that that's cool man just just go hey, hang yeah, over yeah, there back yeah up, like bro. <laughs> like what's he supposed to do and he gets suspended three games three that's uh, a lot Larry, in the NFL Larry Ogunjobi gets one game which I think like he should get more than Pouncey o- Ogunjobi was the one who started the whole thing in a lot of ways he was the one who shoved Rudolph in the so so Buddy gets one game and the guy who is reacting to another human assaulting his quarterback with a helmet gets three games I thought that was a little um, a little harsh that's on the NFL's stuff. front. Yeah, I don't um, I don't hey, get that one at all. I'll tell you this much. You know what I've learned, Klein? Hmm. If you're ever hit with a helmet, I'm not uh, jumping in to help you because I don't want to get suspended three games. <laughs> yeah, that's like fair. Yeah, I'm, I'm not jumping in to help. Lesson you. learned. Um, uh, and and we can jest because Mason Rudolph is okay. Uh, he he. You know, we are talking about a guy with a little bit of a concussion history, but he is okay, so we can be a little bit more lighthearted about this. But what Miles Garrett did was completely out of line. That is one of the most bonkers thing I, uh, things I've seen in professional sports. And if the NFL were to come down with a lifetime ban on the guy, I don't think it's too harsh. Like, you don't have the leeway to snap like that in a football game. You just don't. So if it is the rest of the season, that is the minimum, and that is is what they're doing. If it carries into next season, have at her. And if it goes beyond that, I've got no problem with that either. Uh, There's no place for that on national television. That was as stupid. 
stupid an incident as as I can remember. So we'll see how it all plays out, but uh, good riddance for the rest of the season to Miles Garrett. And as Baker Mayfield said, uh, kind of feels like we lost, even though that was a big win for the Cleveland Browns. They've won back-to-back games. Um, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday is part of Boomer in the Morning. It is Hey Did You Know, brought to you by Switch Advanced Lighting Solutions. Did you know that LED lighting has been proven to increase productivity in the workplace? Check out the awesome new T-Bar lights at Switch, switchlighting.ca. Okay, it is West Division and East Division Finals weekend in the Canadian Football League, a comprehensive preview. Why not the Edmonton Eskimos? I'll ask that question to our CFL insider. Next Steinberg Show's underway, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com. A couple of important football games on Sunday afternoon just happened to be two of the final three games of the 2019 CFL season. You've got the East Division final between the Edmonton Eskimos and Hamilton Tiger Cats in Hamilton at 11 o'clock Calgary time, then at 2.30 Calgary time at Mosaic Stadium in Regina. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the West Division final. It's time to talk with our CFL insider Jeff Creever from CFL.ca. He's joined us Fridays all season long. And uh, Creever, here we are. It is time for division final weekend in the CFL. You ready to rock and roll? I'm ready to rock and roll. Love the walk-up music. I'm, I'm pumped up. And uh, hey, four possible Grey Cup matchups. And uh, it's, it's going to be great. These two games are going to be awesome this weekend. Well, Tell us where you are right now. I, I want to guess. You're you're probably in Regina right now. Is that correct? I am. I am. Uh, it's uh, Cody Fajardo Watch 2019. I don't know if you've seen the hashtag on on Twitter, but it's it's a big deal here. Cody Fajardo will here, won't he play? And uh, was in Winnipeg earlier in the week, and then uh, we just touched down in Regina a couple of days ago. Uh, closed practice yesterday. Got to see him practice uh, today. Uh, they just wrapped up about oh half an hour ago. And, uh, well, Cody Fajardo didn't take many reps with the first team, but he, he was throwing quite a bit in, in practice, and I, I didn't think he looked worse for wear. I, I thought he, he did. A, I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, I think at this point it's more about managing his health and making sure there isn't any kind of major setback that's going to keep him playing. The, the only real update um, from Craig Dickinson was that Fajardo will play. Uh, he might not start necessarily, and, and we may see a bit of a rotation between uh, Cody Fajardo, the rookie Isaac Harker, uh, and a bit of a journeyman in Brian Bennett. So, what would your um, what would your confidence level be overall? You just mentioned we might see a rotation. Like, w- would you say fifty percent positive, seventy five percent, twenty five percent that Fajardo starts this game? I know it's tough to to answer that definitively, but what's your gut say? I think he's going to start, and, and that's a bit of a change from yesterday when they had the they had the closed practice and we couldn't even really hear from Cody Fajardo. Uh, the quarterbacks weren't available to to speak afterwards, but it feels a little bit different from a year ago at about this time. Uh, it was the semifinal when we had a bit of gamesmanship there with the Riders and Zach Kolaros, because if you remember all week uh, with the Riders saying, oh, yeah, we think Zach's going to play, and, well, he barely practiced, and then game time came around, he was listed as the starter, and then reports broke the night before the game that, that Zach Kolaros wasn't going to play. It feels different this time around. I, just watching Fajardo throw today, uh, he didn't seem to be too limited. 
uh, he, he's not going to be 100%. Uh, no matter what happens, I don't think he's going to be 100%. He's not going to be able to run uh, the way we're used to seeing. He's not going to have quite the same strength on his passes. Uh, we may not see him go deep uh, as often as he has this year. But I, I don't know. If I had to put a percentage on it, it's tough. It, it really is. I, I mean, I, I I think he's going to start. But, yeah, it's, it's really tough to put a number on it because I'm still pretty uncertain myself. Well, knowing that and knowing that whether he starts or plays or whatever – He's not going to be at 100%. What's your feel on the Riders without Cody Fajardo as, as there are no questions asked starting quarterback? Without, without all this mystery shrouded, what's your feel on the Riders right now? Well, I think the Riders in this game in general, it's going to be sort of a survival mode type of thing on both sides because they're two teams that have really good front sevens defensively. They're two teams that can really run the ball. And to be honest with you, this reminds me a lot of the game last year where it was a low-scoring game. It came down to the wire. It was all about field position. Um, don't don't make that one big mistake that's going to end up costing you, uh, whether it's a late interception or, or a costly fumble. Um, it's supposed to be a nice day by Regina standards. I mean, I, I'm hearing uh, people have told me a high of plus five is, is what the buzz has been. So, I mean, that's that's nice, but... Um, I, I I don't know if this is a situation where you say, well, the Riders don't have a chance if Cody Fajardo doesn't play because they are a good team. They have put a good team around them. Uh, they've had the best statistical defense all season. Uh, they can run the ball. I think they have enough there to keep this game close either way. And the Bombers aren't exactly uh, a juggernaut offensively where they're going to put up consistently 30-plus points either. So I think it's going to be a really close game. I think Fajardo being limited, I think it really levels the playing field between these two teams. What would have been an obvious favorite in the Riders had Fajardo been 100%. Well, uh, and and the thing that scares me from a Riders standpoint without Fajardo at 100% is I, I just I worry about the run game all of a sudden being taken away because as, as good as William Powell is, and, and he's had himself a great season, a, nobody runs on the Bombers, period. That's been a theme all season long. Mm-hmm. B, now if they don't have a, a quarterback that you're truly confident in, it, it takes away the run game that much more. That's that's my biggest concern from a Sask standpoint. Yeah, and the other development there uh, is Shaq Evans didn't practice today. He was a spectator, um, didn't wasn't really wearing a helmet. and uh, It is some kind of, of lower body injury. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but it, I, I understand it's something that happened uh, potentially in that last game of the season that they played. Um, Craig Dickinson says he's, he's pretty confident he's going to play. Uh, I thought it'll be Kenny Stafford or Jordan Williams-Lambert. So that'll have an impact as well. And the Riders are deep at receiver. They're well-equipped for that. Uh, Manny Arsenault is going to start uh, as well. But, yeah, you're right. It's the run game, and the Bombers have made teams uh, incredibly unbalanced this year. Right? That teams just don't run against yeah. them. That's how good they've been. It's, it's, they've given up. Uh, teams running 26% of the time against uh, uh, Winnipeg. You're throwing the ball three-quarters of the time, but it's really tough to have success that way. And for the Riders, a team that has thrived on being balanced offensively, that's going to be key. Uh, no matter whether Fajardo plays or not, or, or is that 100%, um, they can't abandon that. And I, I think this is where Marcus Thigpen potentially plays a role because he's a little different. He's not quite that between-the-tackles runner. Uh, they can get him involved in the screen game and get him outside of the tackles. Um, and I think they need to find a way to be multiple uh, in that aspect and, and find different ways of beating that Bombers run defense. 
In conversation with Jeff Creever, he's our CFL insider from CFL.ca. That's the story on the West Division final, which goes 2.30 on Sunday between the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, let's switch it up to the East Division final. Edmonton's motto going into last weekend's game in Montreal was, why not us? So why not the Eskimos against the Tiger Cats on Sunday? Well, why not? And that... Going into the game, you kind of shrugged and you'd say, yeah, sure, why not? It's a fun rally and cry. And But the Eskimos looked really good. They looked great against Montreal. Montreal's not a pushover. The Alouettes have been a good team with a, arguably one of the CFL's most uh, dynamic offenses, a hard-hitting defense, and the Eskimos were the best version of themselves. And that was my biggest takeaway from it because we've seen uh, what the Eskimos can be, the good side of it, and we've seen what the Eskimos can be, the bad side of it, with the, the penalties and, and uh, the, just the inconsistency on both sides of the ball. And everything the Eskimos did last game on defense, they took the ball away three times. Uh, Josh Johnson had three interceptions. They haven't done that that much this year uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, um, they didn't take penalties. Uh, they moved the ball consistently. They gave Trevor Harris time. Um, and he was just comfortable. And Trevor Harris, when he's in the pocket, and if you're not getting to him uh, with pressure from your defensive front, from your defensive lineman, it's going to be a really long day for your defense. So I think that a lot of people see this game as a 15-win team against an 8-win team that barely squeaked up, that barely squeaked into the playoffs and is crossing over. I think on paper it's a lot closer than that. I really do. I think the records are not indicative uh, of how closely matched these two teams are. I'm getting some heat on Twitter for uh, choosing the Eskimos over the Tiger Cats on our uh, CFL.ca weekly pick. So I, that's that. I've certainly, I, apparently, I don't know football. I've, I've been told that a couple of times. It's you know what I've learned this with writer picks more than anything else. Players and media, but especially play, uh, coaches, players, especially players, uh, they'll tell you, yeah, we don't pay attention to that stuff. They all pay attention. Oh, to I know. It. I, Let's get, be I get it. From... They're all over it. I get it from Klukas and Bo Levi all the time if I don't if I choose against the Stampeders. I, I chose against yeah. them uh, their their final regular season game against the Bombers. I chose the Bombers to win that game, and uh, I heard that the, uh, the the following days. So no, I, I they they definitely look at those things. Um, yeah. What I mean, does does Hamilton? As much as we just talked about the fact that Edmonton's got a chance and this is not going to be a pushover win for Hamilton. I think you gotta, you got to give the Ticats some credit here. This team does not look like they have a lot of weaknesses. Do you see any? Like there's, They might have areas that aren't as strong or, or areas that are maybe a little weaker, but I mean, there, there are no glaring weaknesses on this team. It is as well-rounded a football team as you're going to find. Yeah, uh, I don't see any real glaring weaknesses. In fact, the only thing I, I think that could hurt the Ticats is the time that they've had off, the amount of time in between games. And, and it's it's uh, it's more of an intangible thing rather than just looking at numbers. But, uh, you know, they've been off for a few weeks now, and you get out of that rhythm and the consistency and, and the routine of playing every single week. Uh, an interesting stat that came from our, our stack guy, Steve Daniel, um, Seven teams have gone undefeated at home during the regular season in recent memory. The Ticats are the eighth now. And of those seven previous teams, uh, four of them uh, lost that next game, that, that division final at home. So you're talking about winning nine straight games at home and then losing in the division final. That's a shocking number. And that tells you that it's not easy to carry forward that momentum. It really isn't. And the Ticats are, are such a good team on both sides of the ball. 
especially over the second half of the season, they've improved so much since the time Dane Evans first became a starter to, oh, ever since about Labor Day, they've been operating at just a different level. And, uh, I mean, by all the numbers, yeah, the Ticats are definitely a, a favorite in this game. And, and uh, it, if I had to pick out a weakness, it's tough. It's, it really is. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a really good game, and and I think it'll be a closer game than some are giving it credit for. Uh, I don't yeah. see a whole lot separating any of the teams in the two games. I think Winnipeg, Saskatchewan is going to be super close. I think uh, Hamilton and Edmonton to kick it off is going to be super close as well. So you go. What's what's your plan from Regina then right to Calgary? Is that is that the uh, is that the itinerary for Jeff Craver? Yeah, that's the final stop. We'll go to Calgary on Monday and. Uh, and then we'll have all the build-up for the game. So it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, you have the media breakfasts and luncheons and, and uh, the players, their, their personalities come out. We've got uh, CFL awards. I mean, there's just so much going on um, during the week, and it's uh, it's going to be a fun time for sure. Looking forward to seeing you out here in a couple of days, Craver. Thanks, man. We'll talk next week. Can't wait. Thanks, Pat. Jeff Creever, our CFL insider from CFL.ca, joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. The same secret recipe since 1975. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344 and find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Kleiner, you just heard the uh, update from Jeff Creever on your guy Cody Fajardo before we hit the break. How are you feeling? I'm feeling okay. I, I was I put on a very confident front earlier in the week with my what did Car- Strebler didn't practice? Look at this. But as we're getting closer to it, it's like boy, like oblique. You kind of feel that when you do everything, right? Like breathing, sitting, moving. There's a lot of that when it comes to the quarterback position. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little concerned, a little worried. But I, I think I think it's gonna be okay. I, I hope it's gonna be okay. I you know what? Please, be I okay. hope it is okay. Cause yeah. I, I want to see these two teams go at it. And you want to see the Riders in the Grey Cup, and I get that. I fully understand that. You know what? I'm willing <laughs> to accept it if they get there, and if they do, it's because they're a hell of a football team, and they've been a hell of a football team all year long. We like to play up the, I, I hate the Riders, and I, I do. I enjoy it when they lose. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, let's be honest. That's a good football team, and I want to see the Bombers and the Riders go toe-to-toe, and I want to see them go toe-to-toe with their best possible teams. And Matt Nichols isn't coming back, so that's not an option. But I want to see Cody Fajardo be healthy. I don't want to see them have to go through a damage limitation and and you know kind of survival mindset. I want to see Fajardo in there and as close to 100% as he can be because that's going to give us the best football game, and that's going to give the Riders the best chance to win, and I want to see the Riders are the best chance to win against the Bombers are the best chance to win because that's going to be a bonkers football game if so. Yeah. I think it's going to be close regardless. I know I was right. getting some heat for choosing the Bombers uh, from all of you on Wednesday during the Bow Show, but I think it's going to be a close game. I really do. I think it's going to be a, a very, very close game. I think it's going to be pretty low scoring regardless of the, the quarterback situation. Uh, I will say it would be an interesting bit of, I don't know if payback is the right word, but uh, 12 years later after a uh, great cup between the Riders and the Bombers had Ryan Dinwiddie at quarterback for Winnipeg instead of Kevin Glenn, uh, uh, yes. that the, the Riders would have uh, an injured quarterback situation now against Winnipeg uh, many, many years later following uh, what was objectively one of the worst great cups ever played in the history of the sport. Uh, so we'll, we'll hopefully get a better game than that on Except Sunday. Except if you were cheering for one team. Yes. No, and I, I thought it was a beautiful masterpiece of the sport. But I, I, I don't think I'm going to go back and watch that one anytime soon. Just the, the confetti falling on Jeremy O'Day and, and Gene Mikowski as they hoist the Grey Cup. 
How about that for rider pulls? That is a good rider pull. Good <laughs> stuff. Uh, 11 a.m. for the East Final and 2.30 p.m. for the West Division Final. It's the Steinberg Show on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com. Time to turn up the heat. These are three burning questions on the Steinberg Show. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Happy Friday, Mr. Peter what we got? Ooh, we got a splitter that's too hot. All right. Uh, question number one. The Cleveland Browns, uh, you may forget, uh, did actually win that football game last night. Uh, the helmet swinging, you know, notwithstanding. Uh, the Browns now at four and six. The AFC is kind of bad, which I appreciate as someone who cheers for a kind of bad team in the Oakland Raiders. Uh, yes. But do the Cleveland Browns still have a shot of making the postseason? They went out. They go ten and six. That is Definitely good enough to make it to the playoffs in the AFC. Do you believe the Browns are still alive in the playoff hunt? Um, not really. Okay. Uh, I, I really don't. Um, it's nice that they've won two in a row. I, I just really haven't seen. Now, that was a much more impressive win than the win over the Bills was. The win over the Bills was very uninspiring. This went a little bit better, but I'm still not bought in on the Browns. I've been saying it all year that until they're not the Cleveland Browns, um, then then I'm still going to think of them as the Cleveland Browns, and that's not a good thing. Um as it stands right now, I, I, I look at other teams that would be in wild card positioning as, as much better and more well-rounded teams. I like Indy better. I like Oakland better. Uh, I like the Chargers better. Um, so I, and, and, and I think I like Buffalo significantly better, even though the, the Browns just beat them. I, I'm, I'm not bought on the Browns. Is that the right answer? Uh, yeah, that, that's, that, that's all right. Um, I will just say their schedule the rest of the way. Miami, Pittsburgh, Cincy, Arizona, Baltimore, Cincy. Mm-hmm. Like I do know that I do know that's something that Jason Lacanfora has been saying since the beginning. That uh, okay, uh, it might take them a little while. Like they might have to go through some lumps and then get on it because their schedule is so difficult in the early going. Um, but I'm still not super bought in. But it'll be a good story if it ends up going the other way. I'll say that. Question number two, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning scored nine last night against yeah. the New York Rangers. A bit of a slow start to the season, uh, certainly by their standards, for the Tampa Bay Lightning sitting sixth in the Atlantic Division. Are the Tampa Bay Lightning now back? I, I don't know if they're back, but I still think they're the one of the best teams in the NHL. And I do think at some point they're going to start winning games at a rate that will put them there uh, when it comes to their regular season record. Now, I, I don't think they're going to run away with the President's Trophy like they did last year. Um, I don't even know if they're going to finish first in that division because there's some other good teams in that division. I mean, it's going to be tough to track down Boston already with how they've started the year. But I still think that Tampa is one of the top two or three most talented best built teams in the NHL and so are, are they back I don't know that that's gonna um, remain to be seen a, a 9-3 win is uh, a, a nice way to get your uh, offensive confidence back in the right way uh, but I'm, I'm not worried about them in terms of them missing the playoffs and and I still think come postseason time they're going to be an extremely dangerous group uh, last one, as someone wants us to point out on the text line, it is uh, an important weekend in U Sports football as oh, well. Don't as bow to that. No, no, I, 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 I can, can you idiots? Anyway, let We're me finish. Always called if we, if we don't if we don't 
talk about the sport that one person wants us to talk about at exactly the time that they're listening, uh, we're called idiots. Hey, as someone who's a fan of some weird sports, like, I get that. Anyway, my actual question was, interrupter of sentences... Um, Sorry, I've it's, been working with Pinder too long. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Um, it, it isn't something that is major on a lot of people's sports radars this weekend, which is unfortunate. Uh, we don't have to get into too much detail, but what are a couple things that could be done to get you sports more popular? Ooh. It's never going to be on a, a level of, of college football down in the States, but is there anything that could be done to, to get it at least a bit of a part of the conversation this time of year? Um, I think that, one of the big things that could be done, and I think that we're seeing a little bit more of this, is I think that a bigger partnership with the Canadian Football League could help, um, and especially in the markets that the CFL is in. Now, I know that not every, um, like, you know, I, I, you take a look at um, some of the programs in, in CFL cities. They're not always the greatest football programs, but there's some pretty good programs there. I mean, look at what the University of Calgary has done. And I'm not saying the Stampeders haven't done a good job of promoting that, but if you could have even bigger partnership and even uh, more of a, a marketing partnership with the Stampeders, if you're the University of Calgary, that could be a, a big way of going about it, especially in the places where you've got huge followings. Like, you know, uh, if, if – and I think – University of Regina does pretty good to begin with, but you know if you if you take advantage of a partnership with the Riders that much more, or if uh, McMaster um, takes advantage of a partnership with the Tiger Cats that much, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Further partnership with the CFL, something right off the top of my head that I could uh, see helping. That that's the big one for me, and and from there, if you can maybe latch on and get some more of your games televised that would be huge uh that may not be realistic in the near future but if you could get more than you know a few games a year on television maybe strike up some sort of national deal and and look there's some good football being played there's some outstanding athletes and mm -hmm. you can get some laval games on television if you can get some university of western ontario games on television where you got some good crowds and some good football i think that would start to to grow the sport in some other cities as well and and, and maybe get some more people live to the games yeah i i would agree with that also definitely put the vanier cup in the same spot as the great cup that that seemed to work out really well and i would absolutely be going to the vanier cup if it was in calgary uh coming up next weekend all right that's it three burning questions done good stuff Kleiner. thanks for letting uh, me would finish you, uh, you're, you're welcome i apologize for uh interrupting I'll try not accepted um wow <laughs> petty uh, would you like your son or daughter to be a part of a Calgary Flames broadcast? Because we can uh, potentially make that happen. We're teaming up with Self Trail Hyundai, and we are giving you an opportunity for your child to be a part of a December 14th broadcast between the Flames and the Carolina Hurricanes here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. So here's the deal. Uh, one lucky entrant's going to get a pair of lower bowl seats, a behind-the-scenes tour of the Saddledome, and a turn on Flames Radio from the Peter Marr broadcast booth uh, you get to sit up there with us for a period. You get to go on the air for a couple of minutes. Uh, pretty cool opportunity for you. Go to sportsnet.ca slash 960 to enter. We're choosing the winner later on this month. But if you'd like your son or daughter to be our junior reporter, go to sportsnet.ca slash 960. It's brought to you by South Trail Hyundai. Uh, go to southtrailhyundai.com or visit Facebook and Instagram for the South Trail Hyundai experience. Some really good news for the Flames. An absolute bonkers night in Cleveland and a whole lot more. Pinder Steinberg kicks off next. That'll do it for the Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.